Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. Deuteronomy chapter number 3. And let's read one verse of Scripture, verse 11. For only all king of Bashan remained of the remnant of giants. Behold, his bedstead was a bedstead of iron. It is not in Rabath of the children of Amnon. Nine cubits was the length thereof, and four cubits the breadth of it, after the cubit of a man. I want you to notice that first little caption there or sentence. It says, For only Og, king of Bashan, remained of the remnant of giants. And then it goes on to describe the dimensions of his bed of all things. I just want to preach this. When you're down to your last giant, when you're down to your last giant, Praise God. How many believes the Lord's going to help us the next little while here tonight? How many wants him to help you individually? Praise the Lord. Could we focus our minds and our hearts upon what God is wanting to do over the next little while? And and uh, come on, would you pray with me right now? Let's do pray fervently. The Lord would have his way. Pray that God would touch hearts in this house tonight. Lord Jesus, I am asking God that you would move in this place. You've already been here in a mighty way, and I'm praying, God, that it would only intensify, only grow stronger and greater. As we continue in this service, I pray that your word would find people in this place and help them and bless their hearts and strengthen them in their spirit. I pray it in the name of the Lord. And let's give praise to God right now, everybody. Hallelujah. I think we can do a whole lot better than that on a Sunday night. <laughs> Thank you for standing, and you may be seated when you're down to your last giant. Israel was a nation that was constantly, it seemed like they were forever fighting giants. And there's a lot of theories of how that these giants came into existence, how that they came to be, and I'll leave that discussion up for another time, or for people that, that feel like they know. But there were, in fact, giants in the land. That is a fact that you can read about seemingly throughout the Old Testament. And these giants were very formidable. They were intimidating. They were fierce. And they were horrific. And they horrified the children of Israel. For generations, Israel would fight these giants. They were not just something that came along for a small segment of time and then they were no more. But the scripture says in our text tonight that Israel had defeated 
every giant that stood in their path to the promised land. And there only remained one, and his name was named Og. On the other side of Og was the promised land. On the other side of Og was everything that they had heard about. Everything that they had been so anxious to receive. Everything that they had dreamt of. Their destiny, the plan of God for the children of God. The blessing, the favor, the next phase and what God had in store for them. Everything that God had purposed and prepared for His people was just beyond this giant. The only thing that stood in their way was this giant. He was the only giant that was left that stood between them and their promised land. One giant away from the prophecy being fulfilled. One giant away from the eternal purpose of God. One giant away from stability as a nation. One giant away from permanence as a people. And you've got to understand just how significant permanence as a people was to the children of Israel because these were a people that were without a land. These were people that had dwelt as captives in a foreign land. They had been strangers. And so up until this point, they had had no permanency. They had had no land to call their own. And now this nation that had been wanderers, this nation that had been pilgrims, this nation that had been tent dwellers was going to enter into the promised land. They would no longer be wandering. They would no longer have to live as strangers. But now they would have a place of permanence. In fact, all the contention that you read and hear about in the Middle East is over this. You see, Israel has this place that that God has given them. And it's right smack dab in the middle of all of their enemies. There's Arabs all around them that seem to be stronger as nations, that seem to have more resources as nations. And this little strip of land that God has given for the children of Israel to possess and call their own. No matter how angry the Arabs get, no matter how much they try to fight them, no matter how they rise up and what their plans and strategies are, to drive them out of the land. They cannot force them out for this is a land that God has given to them. This is a land that God has placed them in. It's a place of permanence for them as the children of God. Amen. That ought to serve as a reminder to you and I that there is a place that you can get to in God. There is a place that you can arrive at in your relationship with the Lord. There is a place of consistency in your walk with God. A place of stability and permanence that once you get to that place that you don't have to go back. Oh, you don't hear me tonight. 
Some of you still looking around. You're still distracted. I can tell it. Amen. You need to bring and zone in to what's going on here tonight because God's got a word for you. I want to tell you that once you come into this place that God has promised, once you possess this land, and this doesn't just have to be a physical location, but I'm talking about spiritually, once you've arrived at this place, you don't have to go back. You don't have to retreat. The devil doesn't have to run over you anymore, but you have arrived at a place of consistency and stability in your relationship with God. Hallelujah. I do believe there's a place that you can get to in your relationship with God that you're not dealing with the same old problems. You're not always rehashing the same old situations. You're not always struggling with the same old issues. But you've got to a place and you've arrived at a place spiritually that you don't have to go back. You don't, you cannot be driven away from it. But you can go on in your relationship with God. You can be established. Amen. Enemies under your feet. Victories won. Amen. I am a conqueror. I am victorious. I have overcome some things. And devil, you can't take this away from me any longer. Oh, wouldn't you like to get to that place here tonight? That things that you've been fighting for and struggling with and possession that you've wanted, that you can get to that place in God. That things that I've been praying about, things that I've been believing for, things that I've been struggling with spiritually, it's over, it's settled. I don't have to go back. I don't have to retreat. Devil, you can't back me off of it. It's forever settled. It's over with. God, come on, let's clap our hands to the Lord. The devil don't want me to preach this tonight. Praise God, praise God. You're not up and down anymore. You're not hot and cold anymore. You're not in and out anymore. A place of consistency. If we've ever needed consistency, we need it in this end time. People of consistent prayer. Well, you guys are just acting a little bit reluctant tonight, so I'm just going to preach what I feel. Amen. That's what I tend to do when people get quiet, is I just get right where you're living. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I don't know how in the world some of you expect to have victory no more than you come to church. I don't know how in the world you can expect to be a consistent, victorious, overcoming Christian and hit and miss one time a week coming to the house of God. It ain't ever going to happen that way. you got to get stable. you got to get consistent. You need to get on fire and stay on fire. You need to quit this hot and cold, up and down, in and out stuff, and get prayed through and get on fire for God. Yeah, that's what it takes to live victoriously. Amen. That's what it takes to live, amen, above some things. That's a place of permanency. When you get to the place I'm committed, I'm sold out. I'm all in. Oh, you're not waiting on me, preacher. I'm with it. I'm on fire for God. I'm running with this thing. Amen, amen, amen. Praise the Lord. But before you can get there, amen, and this, this principle that I'm preaching is still true today. Before they could arrive at that place, there was one giant left that had to be killed. Amen. And this is what is difficult for us to understand because the enemy always 
intensifies, it seems, his efforts as you get to the conclusion of the battle. Amen? Always, uh, I mean, you know, those of you that played football, you know the game intensifies when you get to the goal line. I mean, the defense, it, it, it doubles up. Uh, the attitude changes. And the emphasis is that we're not going to let them cross this line. We're not going to let them score this goal. We're not going to let them win this game. And that's exactly how the devil does. Amen. He, he stands at that line in that place of victory and says, I'm going to put my best effort into it. I'm going to try to fight them and resist them and keep them back because I know if they ever cross this line, they're never going to look back again. I know if they ever get to that place, they're never going to return to what they used to be. If they ever cross that line, it's going to be victory from here on out. They're never going to be satisfied with coming to church and twiddling their thumb and bouncing the checkbook and going through the motion. If they ever get into the presence of the Lord, if they ever experience the real power of they won't be satisfied with being a cold Christian. They won't be satisfied if they ever get close to the fire, if they ever get warmed up. All they'll desire is to be red hot. All they'll want is to be on fire for God. All they'll desire is to be intense for the Lord. Amen. They won't want to go back. Praise the Lord. Once you've ever tasted of this, once you've ever gotten a hold of this, once you've ever experienced it, you can't go back to dead church. You can't go back to a lifeless service. Oh, I know some of you don't like what I'm talking about here tonight. If you don't like it loud, I'm sorry. We're going to get loud tonight. If you don't like it intense, I'm sorry. We're going to get intense tonight. If you don't like worship, I'm sorry. We're going to worship God tonight. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. 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 Clap your hands to the Lord. Let's give him praise. In war, the closer that the enemy gets to the border of a country, the more intense the defenses are to keep him out of those borders. And since this was the last giant before the promised land, one can only assume that this would be the bad boy. This would be the toughest, the biggest, the most fierce, the most dreaded. Oh, yeah. The one that is the most intimidating and the one that would fight the hardest. But the scripture says nothing about it's military strength. It says nothing, no description here about any of its accomplishments. Has no, 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 no details that are given to us about its weapons. For example, when you talk about in the Bible, uh, Goliath, and you begin to study this man, it not only gives us measurements of his height and how big that he was, but it also gives us the specs on his weapons, which makes him even more, it seems, intimidating. Said that he wore a helmet of brass. I remember when I was a little boy, uh, my daddy, 
he brought home, I don't know, from an army surplus store somewhere, one of those hard metal hats that they wore in World War II. And uh, I put that thing on my head, and I could just barely, it was so heavy, I could barely, had a little plastic insert that was in, I guess it was plastic, and, uh, and it fit down on your head just right, and that was a whole lot easier. But you know what? That didn't, that didn't cause any bullets to ricochet. You had to have that hard hat deal on uh, to, to be able to survive an attack. And, but, I mean, that thing was heavy. But can you imagine? This was just made out of metal. Can you imagine one made out of brass, the heaviest of all metals, uh, or, or one of the heaviest of metals, is brass, and it was made out of complete brass. It says that he had a coat of mail that was 5,000 shekels of brass. Amen. I believe over the last few days I would have loved to have a, a, a good coat on, but uh, I don't know if I'd want one that heavy. Can you somebody say praise the Lord? And then it says, and I don't know what exactly these are, I can only imagine that they are shin guards like you play soccer with, but uh, greaves of brass on his legs. Amen. Now, I don't know exactly how much those things weigh, but I, I would assume that they were also heavy. And a target of brass between his shoulders, and big old breastplate on, and a staff like a weaver's beam. And his staff would be much taller than I am. It would be, uh, be high uh, above my head. Weighing 600 shekels of iron. One bearing a shield went before him. He had an armor bearer before him. And Goliath was a very imposing, intimidating figure in the scripture. Matter of fact, this man saw that that was head and shoulders above all the other men of Israel, who was a mighty warrior, had many victories in his own right, had an army that was, uh, uh, had been victorious in the past uh, over many other armies. Uh, they were so afraid, they stayed in their tent, and they listened to him for days go out and give his challenge and intimidate the children of God on a daily basis. And reading this story about Goliath, I find that Goliath was not only big, but he had a big mouth. Amen. That's one thing to be big. I've seen little little people that had big mouths. Hallelujah. But this guy, he had a mouth, but he also had a body to back it up. Praise the Lord. I've seen little guys get, get to talking so big and like they were so much. And, and I got to thinking, I hope you can back up that big mouth you got. But the, the giant Goliath, he had a big mouth, a booming voice that was intimidating. He said, David, I'll feed you to the dogs. Isn't that just like the devil? He's always telling us what he's going to do. As though he has the power and the ability to do it. But my Bible says that he's not only a liar, he's the father of lies. So when he comes against you and he tells you what he's going to do, you need to remind him that you're not the one that has the last say. You're a liar, devil. You can't come against me and tell me and talk to me about what you're going to do because my God has the last say. 
Come on, you need to slay that giant in your life that has lied to you until you can't have victory, that you can't overcome, that you're never going to be anything for God, that you're too young, you're too small, you got too hideous of a past, you can't do it. I've come to tell you, devil, you're a liar. It's not about me, but it's about who's in me. Notice what David said. He said, I don't come with my own strength, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. You're coming to me with all those weapons and armaments, but I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. We need to slay that giant that tries to intimidate us with his lies. God took a young man out of obscurity, a man that had been spending time in his presence, a man that had been worshiping him, a man that had been alone with God, and he took that giant down. David was a giant slayer. He was courageous. He was bold. He was assured of God's promises. And this giant slaying spirit seemed like it resonated throughout David's life and even was passed on to his followers. It was passed on to the next generation, as it were. Because you read about this victory with Goliath in 1 Samuel chapter 17, but if you go all the way over to 2 Samuel chapter 21, David's not nearly as young as he was in 1 Samuel chapter 17. And the Philistines, who were always an enemy, a perennial enemy of Israel, is back again to fight David and his army. And David, even though he had been fighting Philistines for a long time, he was still on the battlefield. Oh, I could preach about that for a little while. There's no time to quit. There's no time to give up. There's no time to quit. Fight. No matter how old you are, the devil's still after you. Doesn't matter how long you had the Holy Ghost, the devil still wants you. Matter of fact, you'd be a bigger trophy if he could get you to trip up, slip up, drop the baton now, and get you hanging on hell's walls. That's what he'd like to do. Amen. And I'm telling you, we've been too far. We've seen too much, too much victory, too much revival, too many prayers answered, too many blessings, too much anointing to quit now. I got news for you, devil. We're not going to stop this far in the race. right that's right praise God and and so so David is out there on the battlefield but like I said he's older and he's not nearly as strong as he was in his youth and the Bible even says that he's fighting against this particular giant by the name of Ishbianab Ishbianab I want you to remember that I know that that sounds like Something you'd name your kids, Ishbianab. But the Bible said he's fighting against this giant Ishbianab and he waxed faint. And it was thought that he would slay David. But there was a young man by the name of Abishai that stepped up and said, You know what? I know our leader's getting older. I know our man of God has slayed his share of giants. 
I know that David has brought down Goliath and a whole lot of other spirits that have tried to come against the kingdom of God. And I'm not going to let him fight. I'm not going to let this I'm not going to sit on the sidelines and let this giant take him out. I'm not going to let him slay him. Here was the words that he used. Thou shalt go no more out to battle with us. We'll do your fighting for you, David. That thou quench not the light of Israel. I'm not going to let the light of Israel go out. I'm not going to let the devil attack David and destroy him. I'm not going to let the enemy destroy David and this giant take him down. Now David had slain his own giants, faced down his own spirits. Amen. Absalom uh, was his own son, rebelled against him. He survived that. Uh, Shimei was uh, uh, cursing and hurling all kinds of obscenities at him and throwing rocks at him. Amen. He survived the gossip and the false accusations of Shimei. Saul in his early years was jealous of him. And on Goliath, as I've already mentioned, on and on. They were all no match for David. So what was so special about this giant Ishbianah? Why was it that David would... Would, would grow faint, what would cause him to grow weak fighting against this particular giant? Why was it that he nearly slew him? But I found that Ishbianov's name, and I want you to get this, means sit down and be fruitful. Now that's an oxymoron, isn't it? Sit down and be fruitful. That spirit, that giant almost took David out. It almost destroyed the giant slayer of Israel. It almost put the light out in Israel. Sit down and be fruitful. I'm going to tell you that's not possible. When you put a seed in the ground, it struggles from that point on through the soil to go upward. It struggles from that point on to find water and resource and food in that soil to produce. It grows strong. Amen. And it begins to bear fruit because of its consistent struggle to do so. You cannot set down and be fruitful. It isn't going to happen. That's a giant that is a lion devil that has to be slain. And if there's anything that will destroy, if there's anything that will put the lights out in the church, if there's anything that will cause the leadership of the church to grow weak and tired and weary, it's a set down and be fruitful spirit. Oh, did you come to get preached to tonight? Yeah, man, did you come to hear a word from the Lord tonight? Oh, there was a young man that said, you know what? I'm not going to sit down and let sit down and be fruitful win this battle. I realize that we're going to have to get some victory. I realize we're going to have to slay some giants. I realize we're going to have to take this spirit out if we're going to have victory for the kingdom of God. Amen. Can I tell you, it's not enough to come in and get the Holy Ghost, be baptized in Jesus' name, and set out on a church pew. But you got to get involved in the work of God. you got to come and get intense in the worship of God. you got to come and be fervent in the prayer that is going on around the church.
You can't sit down and say, well, where's the blessing? Where's the good preaching? Where's the good teaching? Come on, feed me, Pastor. Come on, David. Fight my battles for me. Keep the giants off of me. Oh, no. you got to get a spirit in you, Abishai, that said, hey, I'm going to get the vision of the man of God. I'm going to go out and draw my own sword. I'm going to defeat my own giants. I'm not just going to sit down and expect to be fruitful. Let that spirit take over the church and it'll die out in just a matter of time. You let that spirit get a hold of some people and they'll no longer be here a year from now. But you gotta stay intense. You gotta stay on fire. You gotta stay hungry for the things of God. Oh, come on, lift up your voice and let's praise the Lord together. try to tell you Woo! I'm too weary to worship tonight that old spirit will try to tell you don't you think you go to church enough I mean three times a week prayer meeting on Monday my God what's going on I'll tell you what's going on we're living in the end time I'll tell you what's going on you can't get it being average I'll tell you what's going on. You better get red hot for God or you ain't going to be here very long. I'll tell you what's going on. You better get it just like you got it the first time if you want to stay here anytime. You got to stay renewed. You got to hear the preaching of the word of God. You're not going to get it osmosis. You're not going to get it staying home. You're not going to get it playing tiddlywinks with God. You're going to have to get serious about it. You're going to have to get fervent about it. Come on, when it comes altar time, it's not a time to be a stargazer sitting around with your arms crossed wondering what's going on. Can't wait till the service is over. No! It's time to get in, get involved. It's time to let tears flow. It's not run. And cry out to God. I know some of you are too dignified for that, but that's what it's going to take to keep the fire burning and the lights on in Israel. Come on, that's all right. It's going to take aisle runners. It's going to take people that know how to leap for joy. It's going to take people that know how to worship God. It's going to take people that are fervent. It's going to take people that are hungry. Because Ishmael is on the doorstep of the church saying, sit down and be fruitful. No such thing. I'm just warming up tonight. Hallelujah. So when it talks about this giant, when it talks about this giant, you can be seated for a moment. When it talks about this giant in Deuteronomy chapter 3, there's a lot of giants that are described and talked about. I mean, there's one in there that had six fingers on both hands and six toes. Yeah. It was a freak. That dude got a hold of you. He had a hold of you. Yeah. Praise God. But when it describes Og in Deuteronomy chapter 3, no mention of weapons. No, no talking about his shield, his coat, his spear, his staff. No talking about his helmet, 
I'm talking about his, his armaments that are on him, breast, breastplate. None of that is described. The only thing that is mentioned is the size of his bed. The only thing the Bible says about the last giant before they would conquer and move into their promise was that he had a king-sized bed. Yeah. He had a king-sized bed that the Bible says was 14 feet long and 7 feet wide. Amen. Not nearly big enough for a couple that's fighting. Hallelujah. If you had one of them, brother, you wouldn't have to sleep on the couch. 14 foot long, 7 feet wide. Why is this so important, one might say? Why talk about the last giant and not talk about his weapons? Not, you, you know this has to be a, a formidable, antagonizing giant. Before they would move in their destiny, before they would move into their promise, before they would experience revival, it talks about his bed. Because I believe that this bed represents an attitude. It represents slumber. It represents sleep. It represents at ease. It represents an attitude of just relax, just get comfortable. Amen. Just kick back. You don't have to be so intense. You don't have to be so fired up. You don't have to be so fanatical. You certainly don't have to be so radical about things. This is why the Bible said in Amos 6 and 1, Whoa! Everybody say, Whoa! Amen. That means be cautious. I'm warning you of something. Woe unto them that are at ease in Zion. You know what Zion is in the Old Testament. It's a type of the church in the New Testament. He said, woe to them that are at ease in Zion. Once you get into the church, you don't have to face the same old enemies. We hope that you've always had to face. You finally got broke free from from that addiction. You got over that sin problem in your life. When you were baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, you got victory over some things. You don't have to deal with the same issues that you used to have to deal with. The same uh, spirit of the world that, that used to be there. You don't face it the same way because now you got the power of the Holy Ghost inside of you. You're not dealing with that spirit of bondage that used to hold you back. But the giant of all is that giant of take it easy. Don't ask too much of me, preacher. Relax. Back off. Get comfortable. Stop praying. Stop worshiping so fervently. Stop being involved so much in the things around the church. Stop being faithful. Amen. Too much church. The greatest thing that Satan has to come against us with is not temptation with old habits. 
It's not the temptation to go back to the world. Most of us have settled those issues in our heart. But it's, but it's something that I want to call an, an ease spirit. And an ease uh, syndrome that gets a hold of people. That giant, it says loudly, it's enough. You don't have to go any further. You don't have to do any more. You praised enough. You prayed enough. You worshipped enough. You gave enough. Come on now, you put in enough time in that spirit that, 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 that comes against us in this hour. That giant that is the last one before we enter in to the revival and the promises of God is a spirit that makes God sick. Yeah, I'm going to prove it to you. Because the Bible said in the book of Revelation that he looked at the church of Laodicea and he said, because you're neither hot nor cold, I want to spew you out of my mouth. You make me want to vomit. I would rather you be totally backslidden, cold, indifferent, and away from God than for you to sit on church pews and have a careless attitude. I'd rather for you to be cold and backslidden in need of deliverance. I'd rather you be out there in the world doing it up than to be sitting on a church pew. It's more dangerous for you to be sitting on a church pew and saying, I don't need to pray. I don't need to worship. I don't need to get involved. I don't need to come to church very often. I got enough. No, 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 no. I'd rather you be hot or cold, but I don't want you to be lukewarm because that spirit makes me sick. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Can I tell you that the last giant is not necessarily immorality. It's not addiction. It's not bitterness. It's not malice. But it's a spirit of an ease. It's a spirit of lack of passion. Lack of desire. Lack of fire in your bosom. You better get it back, sir. You better get it back, man. You better get your passion for God back down in your gizzard again. There's a danger in becoming too comfortable. Danger. It's a danger. I've been doing this 25 years, but I still get nervous when I come to church on Sunday morning. Because I gotta stand before this congregation that someday I'm gonna give an account whether I did it right. And that makes me nervous. That makes me tremble. Amen. There's still butterflies. And there's still butterflies, nothing, vultures flying around. Amen. I get nervous. Amen. I hadn't learned how to do this. I hadn't learned how to become a professional. Amen. Sometimes that's quite obvious. I haven't learned how to get up and say it all just right. I haven't learned to do it without making some mistakes. But I'm leaning on God. I'm trusting in Him. I don't want to be a professional. I want to be anointed. I don't want to be a professional. I want God's blessing. I want His favor. There's a danger when a Sunday school teacher gets too comfortable. There's a danger when an usher gets too comfortable. There's a danger when a musician gets too comfortable. There's a danger when a praise singer gets too comfortable. Oh, it's just church. It's just entertainment. It's just a performance. Oh, no. Hey, man, there's got to be something on the inside of us that we're in the presence of Almighty God. We're here to do a work for the Lord. I don't want to be comfortable. In 2014, stir me, God. 
That's what you need to pray is God stir up that gift that is within me. Don't let me be laid back. Don't let me get in a comfort zone. Don't let me get complacent. Put the fire back in me. Put a fervency back in me. Put a passion back in me. until Samson fell asleep that Delilah was able to take away his convictions. Samson, wake up! Wake up! The Philistines are upon you. The Bible said he shook himself as in other times. He got accustomed. I've been living like I want to all week. I'll come in here and shake myself. I've been watching movies and listening to worldly music and cussing and listening to bad jokes and laughing at them. Why does it get quiet in here when I start talking about sin and naming sin? Does that, that tell me something? Praise God. I'm going to tell you it's still a sin. You, you, you sit around and watch that filth and you're going to go to hell. That's what you're going to do. It's going to steal your victory. It's going to steal your passion for God. You sit around and watch homosexuals and immorality. It's what you're going to become. Amen. That's what you're putting into your spirit. You need to stand up, rise up against that filth. The Bible condemns those that take pleasure in unrighteousness. Praise the Lord. Amen. When she, when he fell asleep, she came in and, and cut that away from him. And that's what the devil's doing in this hour. He's catching people comfortable. He's catching people that are at ease in anxiety. He's catching people that are relaxed about their relationship with God. Oh, yeah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I've become too comfortable with it. Oh, God, help me. Help me not to get too comfortable in your house. Oh, that I start taking it for granted. I don't want to be hop nine finny ass that think I can just do it any old way when I come to the house of God. I don't want to be a nadab and a bayou that offers strange fire that I can dance and shout and boogaloo and make everybody think that I got it when I don't have it and I'm not sincere about it. I'm going to tell you, you're not fooling you. You're not fooling God. You may be fooling everybody, but you're not fooling God because God knows whether you're sincere. He knows whether or not it's coming from your heart. Oh yeah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 I don't want to be a, a user that, that, that reaches out and grabs a hold of the holy and handles it without a spirit of respect towards the things of God. You know why he did that? Because he'd been raised in the house where that Ark of the Covenant was and he, he had played underneath it. But what he didn't realize is it's different now because the Spirit of the Lord is on the move. Amen. God is, there's things that you might get away with in a dead church you might get away with when there's not a revival and a move of God's spirit going on but when God starts moving there's things you can't get away with that you got away with before there's things that suddenly God judges amen praise God when God starts moving in a situation praise the Lord I don't, 
Uh, don't just reach out there and grab that. Don't just treat it any old way. Don't just come into the house of God with just any old attitude. Amen. Don't let me get comfortable. Don't let me get complacent. But help me to stay in awe. Help me to stay in wonderment of it all. Help me, God, to keep that 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 awe of how that you saved me and you delivered me and you set me free and you changed me. Help me not to lose that. You remember when you got the Holy Ghost, brother? I'm telling you, you weren't worried about what somebody thought about you. You weren't worried about what somebody might say about you. You weren't worried about impressing nobody. You weren't worried about keeping everything just so dignified. You weren't worried about what anybody said because you're so happy you weren't a sinner no more. You're so happy you didn't have to go back to that drug deal. You didn't have to go back to sipping on that bottle. You was thankful that you was delivered. If it had not been for the Lord that was on my side, I'd still be out there. I'd still be doing those things. But I'm here tonight because of the grace of God. You're thankful for the grace of God. You ought to worship Him right now. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. Somebody reach out to him right now. Thank you, Lord. 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 Oh, yeah. You remember those few first few weeks and months and maybe even years of having the Holy Ghost, uh, you didn't care if they made fun of your worship. Oh, no. You were dancing. You were shouting. You were rejoicing. You were lost in the presence of God. You were hungry more. You were thirsty more. You had an appetite for the things of God. 